Hello, and welcome to Viva La Action, the podcast where we're talking all things action movies, the good, the bad, and the underrated. My name is Santi, and unlike most weeks, I am actually here by myself. <laughs> um, I'm here by myself in my kitchen uh, recording the podcast because, uh, believe it or not, this podcast does not pay uh, Grayson and I's bills, Grayson being my co-host, if this is your first time listening. Um, we both have full-time jobs, and uh, sometimes when that happens, you end up with uh, a schedule that doesn't always accommodate uh, recording two or three hours at a time, so uh, we do not have a pre-recorded bonus episode to put out for you this week, but what I thought I would do instead, um, just so in case you know, you're know you hurting for something to listen to this week, uh, I came up with this little idea to do kind of a action movie news roundup. So um, I've got a couple of news stories here that I'm going to kind of talk through, give my opinion on, um, editorialize a little bit. But um, this is just like, it's going to be like two or three pieces of, of news, action movie news for the week. Hopefully topical enough that they can uh, last the uh, two-day gap between recording this and the uh eventual editing and and putting out of this episode so um yeah i know this is a little bit of a different topic i know some people struggle to listen to a podcast that is just one man talking to himself uh in a room but hopefully i can make this interesting enough that you will enjoy it so um yeah so here we go uh our uh, i might put a little a little jingle in here now Uh, uh, this is the news maybe i'll just use that that's pretty good, right? Okay. Um, so, uh, our first person piece of news, unfortunately, is a bit of a sad one. This uh, past week, so uh, we're talking March 17th, 2023, uh, which would have been Friday, uh, the Friday before recording this, uh, we lost the great Lance Reddick. Uh, Lance Solomon Reddick, who uh, most people know as an actor from John Wick, um, he had pretty significant roles in the TV shows uh, The Wire and Bosch. Um, big voice in video games. Uh, he was a, a part of Destiny, and he was in Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, he passed away, I saw, from natural causes. Uh, I believe that piece of uh, bit of the news has come out this week. That just this today, I believe. Um, his wife came out and said that he died of natural causes. But regardless, um, very sad news. Uh, definitely a, a big loss for the industry, uh, not just for action movies, but for TV shows and voice acting and um, just being an all-around good guy. Um, I saw a couple of different pieces of, of outpouring of grief. Um, in particular, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves had some things to say and Chad Stahelski, um, the director of John Wick. And of course, if you're listening to the show, you probably most know Lance Reddick as the concierge in the John Wick films. But of course, like like any actor who's been working for a very long time, um, many, many prominent roles that uh, made him uh, just a, a landmark of the industry. And um, and of course, you know, when whenever there's a celebrity death, there's going to be a, a large outpouring of grief, not just from people in the industry, but um, from your, your average Joe. Uh, m- many people might not know that Lance Reddick, in addition to being an actor, was also a musician. Um, I read that he also went to school for music, which I think is, I mean, if you ever heard the man talk, I think that makes perfect sense. He's got kind of just a one, he had that wonderful timbre in his voice. But, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I wanted to read this quote that I found. It's it's from an article that I read on Polygon. This is by the writer Josh Rivera in an article, uh, I believe, titled... I believe the article is called You Could Always Count on Lance Reddick. So this is a quote from the, the writer of that article, Josh Rivera. He wrote, This is what made Lance Reddick such a natural fit for the authoritative roles he became known for. Reddick knew how to appear stern yet youthful. He could command a room because he knew how to play a character that had earned that command the hard way. You never knew what one of his characters had to sacrifice to get to where they were, but you knew it cost them something. Actors like Lance Reddick are the hardest to appreciate in their time. They rarely take center stage, even when they can hold with such magnetic intensity. Whether when playing multiple versions of his character on Fringe, or bellowing, I wish I were LeVar Burton on the Eric Andre show, Reddick wielded that intensity as deftly as a conductor's baton, going from graceful stoicism in the urban tragedy of The Wire to gonzo mania as executive, as executive Christian DeVille in corporate. Lance Reddick always seemed to know where he was needed and how much of himself to give. You could always count on Lance Reddick. He made it so no one ever had to think about how much they needed him. And I just thought that was a, a lovely quote, a lovely way to sum up uh, a man who obviously touched the lives of so many. Um, rest in peace, Lance Reddick, uh, as they'd say in the John Wick universe, be seeing you. Um, yeah, so a bit of sad news to start, but furlough into something that's a little bit less serious, but uh, I suppose is also you could you could title as uh, bad news. Um, just this last week, we saw the release of Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which of course is the follow-up to uh, the first Shazam! film, which is a DC live-action superhero film. Uh, it stars Zachary Levy in the titular role as Shazam! Um, and the sequel just, just came out this last Friday, and it has opened to absolutely dismal box office returns. Um, of course, you know, with, with these things, you know, we, the numbers are, are all kind of gobbledygook if you're not, you know, big on, on Hollywood accounting. Um, but just to, to throw some numbers at you, uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods has opened at a $30.5 million domestic opening and a disappointing $35 million opening from all other box office markets. I read that it was something around 78 markets, so... What that means is it basically opened in America, and then it also opened, uh, I believe, in 78 other countries and territories. Now, the a, a film like Shazam! Fury of the Gods, um, you know, you might think to yourself, oh, 30.5 and 30, you know, it's making around $65 million, you know. For a film like Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which cost around $110 million to make, um, that's not a very good opening. Generally, they want to see, you know, something around... For something that's that expensive, you, you want to have a bigger opening. I would think something around $80 million would probably be uh, really optimistic, but I believe they were hoping for something like $40 million domestic and then something comparable uh, globally because you want to uh, account for a pretty major drop-off uh, in following weeks. Uh, less successful films often have like really big drop-offs. We're talking like 70 to 80 percent drop-offs more successful films usually have something around 50 to 60 percent um i believe i saw that scream which had uh scream six which just premiered uh not this last friday but the friday before uh had seen something like a 60 percent drop-off in box office and that was seen as being very positive um that movie of course being uh 
coming under into a, a huge opening for a, a horror film. So that movie has very much made its money back. But it's looking like if Shazam maintains this uh, trend, it is probably not going to make its money back, which is unfortunate for uh, Warner Brothers. They can't seem to get a win lately, uh, mostly due to their own fault. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, you know, again, like I said, if you don't know anything about Hollywood accounting, um, if Shazam costs around $110 million to make, uh, they can't just make that back and then hope to make a profit because, of course, uh, anytime you have the budget of a film, it also has to account for the marketing of the film. Now, sometimes a film like this, it can often double. Uh, so if they make around $110 million to actually make the film, they might actually spend $110 million to market it. That is not always the case. I think in this instance, it probably is not. Um, and I believe the film would probably need to make around $200 million to make a significant profit. Uh, that's just kind of my own guesstimate and then uh, based on a couple other numbers I saw. So it's looking like that's probably not going to happen. Um, now, of course, I'm not an industry insider. I'm just an average movie fan. Um, but I would wager a guess that the film is probably not performing super well due to a couple of things. Um, I think the most significant thing is that the first film, while it was well-received, I don't think it did crazy numbers to begin with. Um, it made its money back, but I don't think it was a crazy return. And while that movie was received very positively, I think it has like 90-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes, generally sequels aren't uh, don't see the same returns unless it's a pretty uh, big sequel. I mean, even things like Empire Strikes Back did not make the same box office returns as the original Star Wars. So you have to have a pretty crazy... A big sequel to kind of top the first film and this film unfortunately in addition to being a sequel it's also a less well-received sequel i think i saw that i had something like 54 percent on rotten tomatoes of course you know these numbers don't mean anything to the to the audience um transformers proved time and time again that a movie not being critically well received has nothing necessarily to do with its box office but i think in this instance it's not unreasonable to say that a sequel, which isn't as well received as the first film, uh, that may be why it's struggling to maintain uh, any sort of box office return. And I think there's also something to be said for the increased confusion about what is or isn't going on in the DC universe. You know, Marvel has kind of trained us all to expect comic book movies to kind of tie together in some way. And I think people are a little bit confused about where Shazam fits in. You know, is it canon now? Is it not canon? What's going on with that whole situation? I'm not saying that's making a huge impact, but I think for your average comic book nerd, that may be a reason not to go see it. You know, if it if it doesn't really have anything to do with the wider story, um, even though I don't necessarily feel this way, I think there are people who feel, you know, hey, if it's just a random, you know, thing, I'll just wait for it to come to, you know, streaming and I'll watch it there. Um yeah, it's very interesting. Um, likewise, you know, I, I whether or not this has any impact on other audiences, I think for myself, um, I was not super keen on seeing it in the first place. And then what kind of dampened my uh, enthusiasm even further was the controversial comments made by Zachary Levy several weeks before the film opened, uh, in which he posed some interesting 
questions about Pfizer, of course, who um, manufactured the COVID vaccine and uh, kind of made himself out to be maybe, if not an anti-vaxxer, perhaps a vaccine, uh, let's just say, a theorist, um, which even if that is not necessarily his stance, it is very interesting uh, that he would not have the uh, foresight to maybe not make some controversial tweets right before <laughs> your movie opens in theaters. Um, who knows why he did that? I think that was a very silly thing to do. And like I said, I can't speak for everybody. I mean, your average person probably doesn't even really care about what actors do or do not say on their Twitter accounts. But uh, for someone like myself who I try to make an effort to... I'm, I'm fine supporting a, a creator whose whose views I don't necessarily agree with, but I, uh, I try my best to avoid supporting creators who hold views that I find dangerous or, um, yeah, dangerous. I think dangerous is a good word. And uh, I found uh, Zachary Levy's uh, opinions about Pfizer to be interesting at best and uh, kind of just dampened my already kind of low enthusiasm for the film. Um, so not that's not to say that everyone else in the world feels that way, but yeah, maybe an insight into why uh, your average person might not be running to the theater for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Um, with that being said, I have one last piece of news here, um, and this will kind of wrap up our, uh, little, little news hour here, half hour. Um, so this is, uh, I mostly got this next story from an article in Variety, um, and this has to do with the Oscars performance of Natu Natu, which, uh, has a lot to do with this show, of course, Triple R being our very first episode, and for those who don't know, uh, Natu Natu is a song that uh, happens about midway through Triple R, which is a Telugu language Indian action film. Um, absolutely uh, swept the world last year uh, in terms of being a crowd favorite film. We talked about it on this show. It's the very first episode. If you want to go back and listen to that, uh, we truly loved it. Uh, our co, my co-host and I. Uh, I think it's a great film. I've seen it three times, but. Um, Recently, it was, of course, nominated and won an Oscar for Best Original Song. And with that, the uh, song in question actually was performed at the Oscars. And uh, there's a little bit of controversy associated with this performance. Now, uh, this is something that um, I was not aware of at the time, but reading about it, I just found it to be quite interesting. And there's been a little bit of development in the story, which is why I'm bringing it up. So... Um, for those who don't know, of course, uh, the Not Too Not Too won um, Best Original Song at the Oscars, uh, and it wowed uh, every white person in the audience <laughs> when it was uh, performed live, but uh, it's come under fire for failing to include dancers of South Asian heritage. Now, of course, uh, the film being uh, shot, produced, starring, uh, you know, South Asian Indian actors... Um, it is interesting that the performance of that song would not include uh, actors of that heritage. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to include this quote from Variety, which is that, uh, interestingly, five days on from the awards, there still remains some confusion about how the production transpired in the first place. It was initially thought that Triple R actors NTR Jr. and Ram Charan would perform the dance themselves. But Oscars producer Raj Kapoor detailed in an AMSA blog, AMPAS blog 
that the actors declined as they weren't comfortable doing so with the time constraints. As such, their characters were represented on stage by Lebanese-Canadian dancer Billy Mustafa and American dancer Jason Glover, who many wrongly assumed was of South Asian heritage. Now, from what I understand, um, so originally uh, uh, dancer Achinta McDaniel uh, was put forward to serve as an associate consultant for the performance, which was two weeks before the Oscars. Um, However, her rep was told that the AMPAS selected choreographers, uh, Tabitha and Napoleon Duomo, um, who are better known in Los Angeles as the Nappy Tabs, as, uh, as a duo, they had already hired their own team. Now, of course, that would mean that this is a a team of American uh, Los Angeles-based dancers. Um, Now, it's written in this Variety article that Triple R choreographer Prem Rakshith was also advising on the Oscars performance, but the Nappy Tabs were the primary choreographers. And, of course, uh, what this actually meant in in the long run was that... um, the film it or the performance itself was actually lacking in South Asian representation, which I think is is disappointing. I mean, I on the one hand, and this this is uh, talked about a lot in the article. Um, you know, of course, it is a win for or greater representation, not just just uh, in the U.S. but globally to see you know actors of of South Asian heritage uh, to win an Oscar. I mean, it's it's kind of uh, it's the first time, you know, any kind of Indian production has won a uh, Best Original Song. I think it's the first time an Indian production has won any kind of Oscar, um, which is crazy because uh, the Indian film industry is the biggest in the world. I mean, they produce more films than than Hollywood. They produce more films than China. Um, so it's crazy that it's the first time the, the Oscars have acknowledged uh, an Indian film in that way. And... I think there are people who will say, you know, oh, well, you know, it, it won the Oscar. Shouldn't, shouldn't that be good enough? And I wanted to read this quote from Shilpa Dave, who is an assistant professor of media studies at the University of Virginia. Um, and they specialize in the history of representations of race and gender in media. And they wrote, for many South Asian Americans in the U.S., we were born and raised in America and feel a very large sense of belonging here. For other generations, and especially immigrants of folks living in India, it's a bit of a different equation. They might be excited to be invited to the table, while the diaspora wants to be part of building the table. In that way, I think the idea of representation sits very differently across the diaspora. The Indian cinema industry is the largest in the world, and when you're coming from that background and environment, you don't see the injustices that are happening in the diaspora and in Hollywood. So the Triple R team was thrilled to win an Oscar, and rightly so. And I think that speaks to to what I was talking about, right? Like that there's there's a difference between, um, you know, it, an Indian film director, you know, winning an Oscar um, for India, you know, because it's it, if if you're living in that country and you know you're surrounded by by your your countrymen, um, I think it could be hard to understand why that sort of representation would be important. Um, and, you know, you would be thrilled just, just to win an Oscar. I mean, who wouldn't be? But I do understand why there would be, uh, you know, a, a conversation to have around representation in a an environment where you are not the, the majority, right? And and you you often, we don't see uh, representations of South Asian people on, on film and, and in TV uh, that are often positive or are often... Um, not gross misrepresentations, right? Like oftentimes when we're seeing a South Asian character on screen, whether it's in a 
uh, action film or, or a TV show or, or what have you, um, it's usually a pretty uh, pretty char- caricaturized, um, not not real world representation, right? I'm thinking of things like The Simpsons, right? I mean, it just up to a couple of years ago, we had a white guy doing a uh, an outlandish Indian accent on a major, you know. <laughs> cable network it's you know it's a little bit um you can understand why uh folks of of south asian heritage in the u.s would would hope for something a little bit different and i even for myself i i did find it very strange that the the oscars performance um the the triple r was the only one that included people um who weren't from the actual film i mean it was it was kind of strange right like even watching it i was well i was mesmerized by the performance i thought it was a great performance and there's there this is not to say that the dancers did themselves didn't do a great job of course they did and you know you have to get work where you can when you're in that sort of industry but i do think it was um very strange and, and sort of uh there there was definitely a, a bit of a um, disconnect between watching the performance and and recognizing that those are not uh the people on screen right like it felt like a little bit yeah a little bit strange so i definitely understand especially too if you are a south asian dancer and you're like hey putting your hand up i could have done it you know like what the hell um so yeah i just thought it was an interesting article i think it's an interesting discussion to continue to have you know um this idea of hey you know you you got your oscar what else do you want it's like well you know, I, I'd like for the performance to reflect, you know, the the film itself, right? Um, but anyway, that's all I got. Um, and uh, this has been News Roundup um, with me, your host, Santi. Uh, hopefully next week, uh, Grace and I can find a little bit of time to do another bonus episode together. Um, we're figuring out how a better way to kind of record and make sure that we uh, don't miss any episodes. But in the future, I might do this again just in, you know, it's a little bit easier to arrange than trying to get the both of us in a room together. Um, but hopefully in the future, you know, we'll, we'll have a little bit more time to to sit and rap about, you know, just whatever the, the fuck we want to talk about because that's kind of our, our show. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a nice review. Um, that's kind of the, uh, the best way to get the, the show seen by other people is to leave a five-star review, say something nice in the comments. You can also say something completely unhinged in the comments, as long as you give it five stars. That's all I care about. Um, but otherwise, uh, if you want to help out the show, you can go ahead and share this with a friend, uh, just share it on Facebook, share it with a, a friend who you think might like action movies, anybody who likes any kind of movies, actually, because I think we, we, we tend to, uh, do a pretty good job of, of talking about all kinds of things. But yeah, share it with a friend if you feel like supporting us. If you want to check us out on social media, we are on Instagram and Facebook at Viva La Action. We are also on TikTok and YouTube at Viva La Action. Um, if you have a film you would like to recommend us or something you want to tell us, you can email us at vivalaaction at gmail.com. Please send us through an email. Uh, I, lo- I would love to read them. I would be very enthused to get an email. I think it would just make my whole week. But anyway... Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can find me uh, on stage at the Oscars uh, pretending to be somebody of South Asian <laughs> No, you won't find me doing that. Uh, and you'll find Grayson pulling weeds in their backyard. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.